Absolutely. You only fail when you quit, don't you? 100%. It's, it's a long-term process. Don't get involved in property thinking it's going to happen overnight. All of you guys, it's about the whole community, about coming to days like this, so you can all share from your own experiences, but then you'll put your own spin on it, won't you? Welcome to the Property Developer Secrets Podcast with myself, Andy Cook, and this time... Joe Warren. Okay, so Joe Warren is actually on our mastermind. We're actually set up on our mastermind for the, the day of the mastermind, or one of the days, and I just thought it was a good opportunity to you know, pull Joe to, to one side and talk about his property journey. I think it's going to be really relevant for some of you guys listening to the, the podcast. And um, yeah, I think that we're all on the same journey at the end of the day, aren't we? Absolutely. So you're in the thick of it, in the property trenches. So let's look back and see. So give us a bit of background, what, you're, what you were doing before you got into property for a start. So for me, before, before property, it was the corporate world. So I was an electrician by trade. Um, finished my apprenticeship, started my own company, worked my way up um, sort of through that, ended up selling that business to a larger uh, electrical firm. And as the business started to grow, sort of my aspirations, I suppose, within that business grew and wanted to move into project management and contract management. Um, and really actually wanted to break out of Sussex. That's where I'm, I'm from. I'm based down in Brighton. So I actually wanted to go and work in London. But the existing firm that we worked with didn't really, they kind of reached their limit. So I kind of outgrown them. And... So I applied for a few jobs in, in London on, on a contract management basis and ended up being offered a job by a Swedish company to work in an area of electrical engineering that I'd not really done much of before. It's the temporary site services. So when you drive past a large construction site and you see yellow transformers or, you know, it would have been fluorescent lights back then, sort of lighting it up, that's what they did. They manufactured products specifically for power, light and climate. And I joined them as a technical project manager. Uh, that then became a sales director role and that ended up being on the senior board in both the Swedish company and a co-director of, of the UK business. And that was a really fascinating time for me. Learned a lot uh, in business, learned a lot uh, with regards to sales and a lot of, I think, sort of personal development. And I guess that's kind of what ultimately led me onto the journey of property. You start listening to personal development books and then you Robert Kiyosaki and... Uh, rich dad poor dad and then the sort of interest start to grow and it coincided at a time where me and my wife had sort of just got married and started to consider families and the only downside with the corporate life is you travel a lot so I was away for 90 to 100 days of the year just through traveling up and down the country being in Sweden projects in Europe and we kind of had to take a view on whether that was viable or not the money was great uh, but for us, it wasn't. We, we wanted quality of life over over money. So I suppose for a lot of people, I'd kind of reached what some people may deem success in inverted commas in terms of what my salary and paycheck was. But for me, it wasn't wasn't enough. I was reaching a stage where I was probably outgrowing that business as well. We had probably a different view of the way that the business should be moving. And as I said, it just coincided with personal development and reading some property books. And I thought, actually, you know what I've from going back to when I was an electrician, I always remember being in the buildings working for the property developer and just being like, wow, that must be amazing to, you know, to be able to be the person that walks around the building and make those decisions. And obviously at the time, uh, you think make all the money as well. It always looks so easy. They just turn up in their car and walk around and say yes to this, no to that, and then onwards and off to the next one. And so with that basis, uh, I'd known enough by that stage that training I thought was really important. So I didn't just jump into trying to buy a property like by watching Homes Under the Hammer. Uh, did some research and found a company that, that kind of 
I felt gave me a good introduction to, to sort of buy to let investing. Uh, went and did the training course and just kind of got hooked on it really and re really enjoyed the process. So I'd already had a sort of side business that was creating money and that was always for the goal to invest in property when I, when I started that. So March 2020 is when we completed on the first buy to let. So just a small one bedroom flat and it was the perfect start, I suppose, if you want to call it to property. It kind of, which in hindsight probably wasn't a good thing because it maybe made me slightly overconfident, but it was an all money out deal. Purchased the property for £39,000, £10,000 doing it up, revalue at 65000 and then I've got an asset that's paying me whatever it is, £250 a month forever. It seems amazing. And it just kind of snowballed from there, really. We got the first one, and then we had deals in place for two and three, and then we had a deal to buy a block of eight flats and develop those and, and pull those out. So the portfolio grew really quite quickly, much quicker than I ever expected. Um, obviously, that wasn't all my own money. So learned a lot about raising finance with private investors within my immediate network and then secondary network. But you reach a stage with buy to let where I suppose it does become a bit mundane. And like I know myself as a person, when the task becomes mundane and it becomes a bit repetitive, I start to lose interest. Like I need, always need a bigger picture and something more to move move forward to. And obviously the next logical step from that is, is development. And that's where sort of my path with, with Whitebox sort of crossed over, to be fair. I'd, from previous networking events, people already mentioned Whitebox and I'd followed you guys on social. And I think it was just, it's a bit unique, I think, in the in the property training world to really niche down on such a small thing, in inverted commas, as as developments. I think a lot of companies try and do broad stroke across across everything. And I'd realised through my time in buy-to-lets and, and doing smaller refurbishments, but to a larger scale, that actually there's an awful lot to learn in development and there's a lot of pitfalls and mistakes you can easily make. So for me, exactly as I did when I first started, with the buy to let investing it was okay well let's go and get some training and let's have a network of people around you that have already done what you've what you've done and i you know personally i don't understand why anyone wouldn't want that if you're doing something for the first time because it's not just about the training <clears throat> the training is one aspect of it it's actually the people in the network that you can lean on for experience and questions that's what makes the world a difference when it comes to actually trying to do something new uh, and you know developments aren't easy there is a good reward at the end but it's a process and there's going to be some bumps on the road and if you don't have a network of people around you that have experienced that sometimes it can feel quite a lonely place when things don't go perfect which you know they haven't for me the first couple right, well, let's stop it there because we're going into a bit of a, okay. a, a long thing there's a lot to unpack there so um so just looking back at what you just said there Onto a bit of a monologue there, didn't you? So we need to go back Sorry. a little bit. That's all right. It's all right. It's all good. It's all good. So um, going back right to you know, you're quite entrepreneurial then. So you started off in the electrical side of it. Yep. You know, working for a <clears> Swedish <throat> company that must have had its challenges as well. Like you know, working very different cultures. Absolutely. So you know, did you learn a lot through that process? And you know, what what did you take out of that? Oh, it was incredible. It was it look back as one of the fondest times of my life, and I have to be very thankful for them in the trust that they gave me basically when I started I was the only employee in the in the country they operated in Sweden and I had a, a WeWork office in in London and I was left to sell like go and turn this into a business so even though I wasn't full ownership of it they entrusted me like it was my own company and, and in all honesty I, I felt like it was my own company for a long time 
And in regards to sort of different cultures, it, it was incredible to see them. I always joke, you know, they do have a life-work balance. It is not work-life. They, they get to work early, so the way my company worked manufacturing, in the winter months, when it's obviously it's much darker there, people got to work at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. That's at work, working. And they would work through till 6, 7 o'clock in the evening. Really long days. But that was their busiest months. And they built up all that time in lieu. They didn't get paid extra for it. But then come the summertime, they'd built up their stockpiles of stock and people could come to work at 8 o'clock in the morning and leave at 2 o'clock and experience time with their family. Uh, you know, Some of the challenges with that, of course, are... In Sweden, as other European countries do, they typically just have four weeks off in the summer. That's it. And I mean off. There's nobody in the office. Hmm. You can't get answers. And obviously, being from a UK perspective and being in construction where, you know, we all know yesterday's late, it's it could be a bit frustrating sometimes to try and deal with client inquiries because there's not somebody at the other end. But on the flip side of that, it gives you confidence to deal with problems every day you get something from a client you don't know exactly how to deal with it when you know there's always someone to rely on you become a bit reliant i suppose in 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 that sense whereas when you know there isn't somebody there you have to think outside the box use the resources you've got to hand and come up with a solution that works ultimately for the client and and for the business so yeah the time in sweden was was fantastic and they're you know brilliant country beautiful beautiful country and I was very fortunate for that. So what, what I'm hearing there is, this, you know, there's always lots of different ways of doing stuff, isn't there? You know, they're they're not less or more productive than we are, and you know, they've got a good work-life balance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, there's a little bit like when you came into property and when you started to do your buy-to-lets. You know, as you said, a good way to do it is go and learn from people who are doing it, but then put your own spin on it. Yeah. You don't have to do it just, it's not a carbon cutout of the way that someone's teaching no. you. You can just learn from their mistakes. And I think in training as well, the community is such a powerful thing, isn't it? It's not just about, you know, with the white box, it's not just about us. It's about all of you guys. It's about the whole community, about coming to days like this. So as you can all share from your own experiences, but then you'll put your own spin on it, won't you? Yeah, that, that is ultimately it. It's, um, it's being part of a collective everybody's got a different level of experience a different thought process and and sometimes you think you can know something you'll be listening to somebody else talk through it and they'll make a completely off-the-cuff remark that for 90 percent of the room might not mean anything but for you in that one mm. moment that you're going through it could put a project in a completely different spotlight oh my god like that could be your eureka moment you just don't know but if you're not around those people you, you never find out yeah, and you know, I think we get we get like in our own track quite a lot of the time, don't we? And it's difficult to sort of see out, outside the box sometimes or off the rails. Yeah, you know, you can't really, you know, you get busy, you get your head down. You know, like my my past, I was a bit of a workaholic at times, and it's difficult to see outside of that. So when you see if you can get space outside of that, and you know, just sit and and watch what someone else is doing, and it shows you a bit of a cleverer way. And it can just make so much difference. Absolutely. It's, it's all about perspective. And I think uh, for anyone that's entrepreneurial or in business themselves or in property, I think sometimes it's very easy to, you know, a bit of a cliche, but can't see the wood through the trees. Mm. You're so focused on looking forward and ultimately comparing about where you are to what goal you thought you might be at. You very rarely take the time to look back and see the path that you've, through a lot of hard work, forged through the wood that you're already in. Um, and it's, you know, not that looking back is, is is a good or a bad thing, but sometimes perspective makes a big difference. When it, you're by yourself, 
it's hard to get perspective sometimes in a room full of your peers it's much easier to get perspective because they will ask questions from a completely different viewpoint mm. they're not looking at it the same way you do and and therefore you you'll find solutions to problems that you've created 100 percent. and i think also like for us you know we're in we're on the mastermind day here it's unemotional for us isn't it we haven't got all the baggage attached to it it's not you know we can see it for the problem what it is and for the solution that it that then it might be or the best solution whereas you know you're feeling the pressure of your family and you've got to bring in so much money every other month and you know you you see all of the what it's taken to get to there and and it maybe the path's not gone well and in fact that leads us on to your development journey there you said it's not all gone 100 percent. it's not all gone no you know it's not gone the way you perhaps envisioned it at the start you got that quick start into single buy to lets the flats and things like that and you got some real positive feedback from that so you dove in a bit quick maybe so Absolutely. yeah tell us a little bit about that that the actual development journey yeah, so the development journey, as I said, we, with the portfolio was, was growing quickly. I knew it myself. I wanted more and go to the next level. And development is obviously the, the kind of next logical step. And so you review what opportunities are being presented to you and you, you think you find one that, that works. And I'd say, for me, I was probably too gung-ho. Um, this was sort of... We were in COVID by that stage, so I guess maybe a bit of boredom if I'm honest was, was mm. in there as well like you're almost trying to find opportunities yeah and so the first opportunity we ever t- took on was a was a doctor's surgery so commercial unit that was converting to four flats um one of those at the time when things weren't going great I was kind of a lot of blame on the people that were around me in in that sort of uh pur- purchasing phase I suppose I was kind of like given some advice that wasn't necessarily true but ultimately, you have to take full accountability of yourself. I didn't do my full level of due diligence on what the actual deal was. Um, we had some unlucky bits in there. So, for example, the architect submitted drawings two weeks, not late, just two weeks before a very important decision was made uh, in Scottish planning law that it results in all flatted developments needing fire suppression as well as detection, which means we needed to install a £25,000 sprinkler system which if it had been submitted two weeks before, we wouldn't have had to do. So there's £25,000 of costs that we just didn't know about. Also learning the process of uh, sort of commercial conversions and understanding that that change of class use can then invoke or allow building control to stipulate other aspects to the building. So whilst the building we purchased was a lovely stone-built traditional building, next to many other traditional stone-built buildings that are residential dwellings, if it was a residential property, I wouldn't have to have upgraded the thermal insulation, but because it was a commercial conversion, I had to, which I didn't know, and that resulted in, in a lot of additional costs there. And I think that's all part of the learning process. Um, and you were talking about being able to lean on things, and I think it was only a few weeks ago where we, me and you had this exact conversation about another development that I'm in. You can't see what's in front of you sometimes. It takes a conversation with someone that is unemotional and not attached to it to highlight what you probably already know. So yeah from my perspective it's uh development is it's 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 been a big learning curve yeah definitely definitely and that a lot of people will resonate listening to this you know we're getting a lot of feedback on the podcast a lot of people are looking at getting in developments you know we're not we're not ever you know us more than most as as well as anyone and you know we're not here to tell everyone that it's completely rose tinted and there's never going to be any issues obviously developments is a bigger strategy but we can help you try and highlight and mitigate, you know, all that stuff. As yep. obviously before we, we got involved with you, and um, we were trying, we've been trying to help you with some of that stuff. 
Um, but what I actually want to focus on, because, you know, the opportunity side of it around that is much bigger than that, isn't it? Yes. And, you know, that developments has taught you a lot of lessons, just like it's taught us a lot of lessons. And, you know, there's, the good thing is there's a, a big profit that can soak up in developments. So, you know, a lot has to go wrong before you start getting into the negative. And through all of the challenges we get, there's a lot of positive that comes out of it. And it presents other opportunities. And your development journey, which is still ongoing, you know, you, you're yep. still developing yourself and you probably still will do ongoingly. But actually, one of the main things you're doing now is come out of the communities you've involved yourself in the training and another avenue pops out. So tell us what a little bit about that. Yeah, so through building the network again, and that is ultimately through being part of the training course, um, made, made, made good friends with, uh, with, with my business partner now. And he was involved in providing sort of corporate benefits to initially it was charities and much larger organisations. And we got to chatting about ways that maybe we could sort of improve the business. And it, it transpires that we're now in, now in business together. So I, I invested in the business and we're now 50-50 partners in a company that we think will offer quite a, a unique proposition for really trying to change up um, how landlords are seen. Like if I can be completely honest, when I was... When I was much younger, single parent mother, like we didn't have any money. We were really, really poor, um, homeless at one stage and, you know, lived in hostels and rented accommodation. And thankfully, like the standards of living have improved an awful lot in that time since since I was younger. And it was one of the real sort of drivers, important things for me when I was building my buy to let portfolio that I did provide nice homes for people to live in. And so I suppose what I'd call myself is a bit of like a social capitalist. Like I'd, I'd like to be able to do right by people and do well in business and make money at the same time. And so our concept is to to be able to develop a, a product that allows landlords, whether that's you know high-end HMOs or buy-to-lets, uh, to provide services to their tenants that actually create the tenant's life easier, which in turn actually makes the landlord's life easier. Uh, that's coincided with... Uh, sort of an employee benefit business that we've we've started as well which is called Accord Wellness which is focusing on small and micro SMEs to allow them to reward uh, sort of attract uh, engage with their staff by providing a whole host of uh, benefits to them ultimately so from a physical standpoint we protect them by giving them 24/7 access to private GPs obviously at the moment the current situation of GPs in the NHS is a is a common known fact it's very hard to get those appointments whereas this is 24-7, whenever you need it, you can speak to, speak to a GP. We then cover benefits that deal with mental health. So it's a manned helpline, but the person you speak with isn't a helpline uh, sort of, uh, what do you call it? They're not uh, like a good Samaritan. These are trained professionals in, in mental health and they carry out what's called a core 10 assessment that basically sort of benchmarks your mental state and then they help you through that with one-to-one counselling sessions and that can cover a whole host of any issue that we all deal with on a day-to-day basis stress anxiety addiction depression bereavement um so why wouldn't you want to help people have access to that and then to combat the cost of living we also provide them a discount package for money off everywhere shopping on your supermarkets for example you, you know you spend £100 a month in or £100 a week in Tesco's and you can save money if, if you have access to Accord. And so the idea of Accord is that we help the, you know, what I'd call the backbone of the UK economy, which is small and micro SMEs, provide corporate level benefits to their staff 
And then as a flip reverse, we would like to try and incorporate that into tenants as well, because obviously we're not going to be able to reach every single company. We know that we're going to try our best. But so, for example, my tenants in my buy to lets, it's offered to them free of charge. It's a cost that I pay. It's, it's low cost. It makes no difference really to my profit margin. But what do I get for that as an investment? I get healthier tenants from both a physical and mental standpoint, which means they're more likely to be able to go to work to earn money. Uh, they're better off financially because they can save money uh, and reduce the cost of living burden on them. So I'm more likely to get my rent paid. They know I'm a conscientious landlord. They in turn look after my property, less likely to leave the property because most other te- uh, landlords won't offer it, which means I reduce my void periods and churn rate, which overall increases my profitability. So. As I say, from a social standpoint, I do right by my tenants, but in a capitalist standpoint, it will actually improve my my business model. And so for me, I think that's a win-win solution for everybody. Cool, cool. So, you know, I think that, you know, it wasn't what you were looking for. It wasn't it wasn't the property side you were going down, but by, you know, my favourite saying, activity creates opportunity. Absolutely. By being active, by being entrepreneurial, by taking the lessons you learnt, by working in the corporate world and for the Swedish company and for all those things um, that have built you to who you are now and your experiences in property, that presented itself to you and it was able to tick the socialist box, you know, and it, and it is a no-brainer. Though, you know, for the it's great for the tenant side of it, but also for the employment side of it, you know, we've got all of our staff on it now and even the, the, the teams on the build side of it. Like, yep. it's just a no-brainer. So, you know, you haven't said how much of a no-brainer it is cost-wise. You know, what it is as a monthly... Yeah, it's, it's £7.50 a month plus VAT per employee. I mean, it's not even the cost of a sandwich and a coffee. Yeah. So, so it's, it's not going to make any impact to your business from a cost perspective. But the benefits you get back, staff engagement, staff retention, attracting new staff, and the exact same for tenants. It works It works both ways. So, you know, and, and that's a it was a key driver for us that, that cost couldn't be a reason why people would say no to this. this is no, no business cannot afford it. No landlord can't afford it. It's just if you choose to do right by the people that ultimately help you get to where you want to go. And, and it's, that's sort of a it's my belief that, that tenants and, and employees, they're not really that different. You know, we as business people choose to run a business or own a property. And if we own a business, then we employ people to either generate money or create efficiencies and improve an operational standpoint, which indirectly creates money. And if we're in property, we buy property, then we use tenants to pay down our debt and make us money. So why not look after them? It's, a, it's For me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, and, and it totally is. So where do you see your property journey going now? Obviously, Accord now. And, and just go through the spelling of that because it's, it's a bit of a weird spelling. <laughs> yeah, it is. So the, the funny thing with a company name, we with all of my company names, I try and make them tangible to what it is that we're trying to achieve. So the word Accord means to give or to provide. And obviously, wellness is well-being and health and happiness. So Accord Wellness is to give to give well-being. Um, but unfortunately, somebody had already taken... Accord spelled A-C-C. So Accord now is A-Q-O-R-D wellness. So a little bit of a, a tweak to the name, but actually from apparently from a design standpoint, only being five letters long and having a Q is pretty cool. So is it? <laughs> who knew? <laughs> fair play, fair play. Um, so obviously that's taken some of your focus now. Like I say, it's an opportunity that was presented by getting out there and networking and all those kind of things. But your property side of it and your development side of it, you know, you're still in some of those deals. You are, you know, you're developing up in Scotland yep. still. 
Yeah, you got one in Cumbria, I know. Yeah. Aren't you? So, you know, where so, do you see that? So going? yeah. So from I'll always be in property. It's 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 a passion. I I really do enjoy it. Accord is taking time and and going back to what you said. Uh, activity creates opportunity. The, the the project that we've now just secured actually in the last couple of weeks, which I was talking about, that you sort of helped me with from a, sort of giving me a, a an honest opinion of it. It's it's actually a project that could have been really bad for us. Um, we, we, we bought ownership of a, a second doctor's surgery with a plan to convert into two flats. As we were going through planning, it transpired that the adjoining building had some real bad structural issues that weren't apparent or present or visible at the time we completed on it, which would have meant that if we'd have got the planning earlier and started the project and spending you know a good few hundred thousand pounds, which is what it would have cost to convert into the two flats, that they might have ended up being unmortgageable, which then led us on a big journey to liaise and deal with the existing owners of the adjoining building and early this year they, they agreed to sell their interest in that adjoining building at the same time we had the opportunity to purchase the upper flat so now we've gone from a, a project that I was potentially looking 100 150,000 pound loss guaranteed at we now own the entire building which is circa 13,000 square foot bang in the heart of Kings Park Sterling which is sort of the most affluent and desirable residential sort of location in Stirling, two minutes from the castle, two minutes from the golf course, two minutes from the town centre. Uh, and I was purely looking at that from a residential standpoint. And then again, because of the network, speaking with people, it was presented to me high-end service accommodation potentially as, as some sort of a part hotel and never really crossed my mind. Did some research and I think if we stuck completely with the residential route, it might have ended up as a three million pound GDV, which has been the biggest for me by a country mile. I'd have been absolutely over the moon with that. Now from the residential, uh, now if we move to an apart hotel method, that value at the back end once complete and, and been operating with very safe numbers as we've, as we've sort of costed it, four million plus, And it would allow me to retain ownership, which if we sort of timeline that journey from first buy to let at March, 2020, we're now approaching March 2023, so that's three years. The portfolio probably sits at 1.5, 1.6 million. And if this project is 24 to 36 months out, that means in, in five years, we'll have gone from zero assets in property to well north of five. And that's that's provided I don't do anything else in between mm. now and those three years. and and. That, for me, is incredible. It's way more than I thought I would get out of property when I first when I first started, if I'm honest. I thought, you know, maybe get, get 10 buy-to-lets, you know, supplements of income and, 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 and do some other entrepreneurial things. And that's obviously not even to mention Accord and what that can become off the back of it. So that's, you know, for me, that's just part of the journey of life, right? You, 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 if, you, if you don't have your eyes open, if you're constantly looking down and not looking around and seeing what gets presented, you, you're going to miss these. They're going to they're going to slip through your fingertips. But by being open to accepting that life isn't a straight path, there's going to be some bumps, there's going to be some ups and downs, and sometimes what are, what could be perceived as a loss or a negative can actually become your biggest opportunity. You just have to be open to that idea and, and it will come. 100%. And, look, and if you'd have looked at in 2020 and looked forward five years and saw the results of five, six million pound GDV portfolio 
you'd have um, you'd have obviously snapped that up, and you'd have been. But you can't see what the journey is in between that. And if you could draw a line between one and the other, it'd be a nice, straight, perfect curve, uh, but straight line. Yeah. Obviously, it doesn't work like that. Life no, doesn't work like that. It's, it's, gonna it's have an impossibility. Its and as yeah. I said right at the beginning, you know, when I left my corporate role, a lot of people said you're you're mad. Six figure job, company car, corporate benefits. You know, that's what most people chase. It put a pin in the buy to let portfolio. If the apart hotel gets anywhere near the figures that it's predicted to do, that's 200 grand a year net profit from On now as for eternity by itself mm. without anything else. That's mm. no buy to let portfolio, no, no accord. And that's just by being open to the ideas and open to the opportunities that, that get presented to you, I suppose, ultimately. Yeah, cool, cool. So look, um, I think, that, you know, I, I like to think as well, there's the law of reciprocity. So, you know, that what you put out, you get back and usually tenfold, don't they? So if you're trying to look after your tenants, look after your staff, look after your the well-being of those around you through a vehicle like Accord, then it's coming and looking after you in the property side of it and the other opportunities that come about as well. So yeah, absolutely. I think, um, look, Thanks for stopping back. You know, it's oh, been a long day in the mastermind. And, you know, like, I just thought this would be a really good like, interview, I suppose, on your journey for those who are looking at getting into developments, um, following the podcast. It's good to get, you know, people who are in it, like I said earlier, in the trenches. Also highlighting that you can go through a few issues, but with developments, stick with it. Absolutely. You, you only fail when you quit, don't you? 100%. It's, it's a long-term process. Don't get involved in property thinking it's going to happen overnight it doesn't it's a process and it's a journey but as you say the reward at the back end outweigh whatever it is you're going to go through and as long as you can maintain a level head have the right network around you you'll get through it you'll find a way you always do and at some stage in life I guess you'll be able to sit back and and laugh about what might have been a very stressful period but yeah I really appreciate you guys you know taking the time to have me on here it's been great to talk to you and uh, it's always always fun at a white box event so appreciate it Cool. Um, we'll put the details for a cord on here as well. Thank you People very much. Can follow your journey. Um, and yeah, thanks for coming in. Cheers, Andy. Thanks, mate.